0: Welcome to the Living Faith Missionary Church Podcast. You're about to listen to a message from Pastor Chris Starn, Senior Pastor at Living Faith in Yoder, Indiana. It is our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. So yeah, we've been, uh, we're finishing up the book of Ephesians. After this we're going to be going to Galatians and, and talking about, uh, um, just kind of going to expound further upon what we've already been talking about in the book of Ephesians. So from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, we've identified that our strength only comes from God. You know, we we love to think that we are strong and we are resilient, that you know, there's nothing we can't do if we just pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we just go into the battle, we just fight as hard as we can, we're going to win. Reality is. It's God who is our strength. God is the one who is the source of our strength. And he tells us, Paul tells us, to put on the full armor of God. It's not my armor. It's not my righteousness. It's not the, my gospel. It's, it's not my peace. It's not my truth. It's his truth. It's his armor that Jesus had on the cross. This is what it is that we're supposed to put on. And we're supposed to, we, and we're supposed to put it all on. We're not supposed to leave any parts off. And we've analyzed the threat of the enemy, his, his, how he launches his lies at us. He creates doubts in our mind. And, and how our, our own sin nature will cause us to, to wander and, and to doubt and, to, and creates, it creates disunity in the body. If you look through scripture, there, there's all this, this talk about unity. And I've been reading a lot about the from the early church fathers. From Origen to Tullian and all the, the early church fathers through the 300s. And, and constantly they're always coming back to this idea of unity. Because if the enemy can divide us, he will defeat us. Our plan is clarified to stand firm and not give into the schemes of the evil one. We've looked at the armor. We understand each piece, its purpose, its strength. If you, if you haven't heard the sermons, they're online. Go back and listen to them. In fact, I suggest go back and listen to the sermons. Don't just listen to them once and be done. You, you can't get it all in one setting. I, believe me, I preach them and then I go back and listen to them two or three times. As I'm going through and I'm preparing the video and then I watch it again and I'm like, did I say that? Did I just say that? I mean, I find things that I'm like, oh, yeah, it reminds me of things I need to remember. I'm the one saying it. But we need a strategy, though, for our victory. What is our strategy? There's, you know, we always, when we go to battle, no army goes into battle without a strategy. They always have a battle plan. How are they going to do this? They always know their enemy. What are they going to do? And Paul's going to give us a strategy that's going to lead us to victory. So if you've got your Bibles, and I hope you do, please turn to Ephesians 6. We're going to start in verse 18. And here is what Paul says. He's gone through all the armor, and he comes down and he says, praying at all times... In the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. You know what's interesting is is that as we get into this this part of the Scripture and part of Ephesians on prayer, Paul's going to spend more time on prayer than any other single piece of armor. I'm a guy, I like, I like armor. You know, you guys saw my sword a couple weeks ago. I love that sword. It's cool, right? But I want you to understand that even the sword, the sword of the Word of God is not as important as prayer. It's not that it's not important, it's not as important as as prayer, and we'll see this as Paul goes moves forward, he's given so much attention to this. It's because prayer is fundamental to our effectiveness in our spiritual battle. If you're going into battle and you're not prepared, if you're not prayed, prayed up, you're not going to succeed. If you go out in your life without prayer, you're going to fall. You're going to fall. All of our warfare and all of our activity must take place in the context of constant, unceasing prayer. Just as a sho- soldier on the bottom line has to keep this constant communication with his commanding officer, because the battle changes. The battle, things change in the battle. You, you know I've, I'll be honest with you. I know in my life, when I have a plan for how things are going to work out, they work out that way every single time. No, they don't. Things never work out the way I want them to. <laughs> you know, they, they, my life is never what I expected it to be. Things change. So I, we need to be in contact with our commander so he can lead us and put us in direct us and help us to understand why we're where we are and get us to the right places. You know, we might be fully equipped. We may have all the armor on. But if he's cut off, we're cut off from the communication of our commander, we're isolated. We're vulnerable. We need to be in communication. Paul emphasizes prayer with this idea of these, what I call, four alls. If you look at the verse, he uses four alls and we're, we're to pray on all occasions with all kinds of prayer, with all perseverance, for all the saints. and we're going we're going to dig into those a little further. But what's interesting, what these do is they kind of teach us that prayer is not an afterthought. It's not, It's not our second plan. Prayer is the first thing we should be doing at all times. We, in our small group, we're studying prayer, and, and we're studying about we're studying the Old Testament and looking at some of the Old Testament saints and what they prayed. And we were we we're praying, we're, we're looking at Jehoshaphat this this last week. And uh, someone in, in the group, and I won't say who, I don't want to embarrass them, but and there's no reason for them to be embarrassed, but they they, and they, they admitted that there is it's hard to remember when you know everything you're supposed to do when you've got it all taken care of you can handle this that we don't go to God in prayer it's hard to go to God in prayer when we know what we're supposed to do but paul doesn't say paul doesn't say that we're only supposed to go to God in prayer when we need him we are to pray on all occasions not just, not just when we're in the midst of trouble. Even when I know exactly what I'm supposed to do, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to go to God in prayer. It's not this meaningless exercise that we do. We're to be alert and always keep on praying for the saints. We need to have constant prayer where we deploy the armor of God in our spiritual struggle with evil. We're not just to be praying for ourselves. We're to be praying for the saints. That's what all these things that Paul says is what they're all about. And if we don't pray, doubts and divisions will trouble us and we will not be safe From the enemy's schemes. See, it's not just about putting the armor on, it's about training in the armor, and prayer is how we do that. Our battle plan is pretty simple be committed to prayer, or be committed to pray. Now, we know Paul also tells us we're to pray in the Spirit, and here in Ephesians, it's one of the three places that praying in the Spirit is used. But another place is in 1 Corinthians 14, 15. I want to look at that. Paul is is talking to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth had a lot of problems. They were doing a lot of things right, but they were also doing a lot of things wrong. And this is what he tells them. He says, what what am I to do? He says, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Also, what was happening is the church at Corinth was eager for the Holy Spirit to show himself, to manifest within the church, within their meetings. They wanted to see the Holy Spirit. Well, don't we want to see the Holy Spirit? Isn't it amazing when we see the Holy Spirit move, when when God answers prayer like what Amy was talking about? It's awesome that God works. We want to see that. We want to have a rich experience in Christ and, and feel the Holy Spirit's presence. The problem was is the way that the church was doing it was creating chaos. So when Paul says that I am to pray in the Spirit, he does not mean that we are supposed to be jumping around like crazy people. Because understand that Paul also tells us that there's supposed to be order in the worship time. It doesn't mean we're supposed to jump around and speak in tongues that nobody knows. Praying in the Spirit does not refer to the words we are saying. Rather, it refers to how we are praying. And praying in the Spirit is praying according to the Spirit's leading. If I'm praying in the Spirit, that means in my mind and in my soul, I'm praying what the Holy Spirit is leading me to pray. Praying the Spirit does not mean getting engulfed in ecstatic feelings, but the Spirit empowers us to pray in accordance with the truth of the Spirit of the gospel of the Bible. This is what Paul says in Romans 8. He says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. When I don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit's going to groan, and God's going to know what that's about. But it's the Holy Spirit who leads us in our prayer. And in the third place, that Paul uses this idea of prayer in the Spirit in Jude 20. And this is what he says, But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. See, when we pray in the Holy Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, we are we are building our faith up in Christ. And his word is in our souls and it's in our brains. Because Paul says, you know, I don't just pray with my spirit, my soul, I pray with my mind. The problem was they weren't engaging the knowledge, the mind that they had. They were just praying in this ecstatic, and they were just. Speaking in tongues and, and going crazy, and he's like, "Wait a minute! You've got to engage your mind. It's not—it's not, it's a holistic idea of the whole body. And if we do that, if we engage our souls and our brains to do this, we must be filled with the Holy Spirit." And we go back to Ephesians 5, and this is what Paul says. He says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We are to be filled with the Spirit. The Spirit is supposed to be someone that we know, that we, that's with us, that we understand, that we listen to, that leads us and guides us. And yes, there are those moments where we see Him working in our lives and working around us and we get ecstatic and we get joyful and we want to shout for joy. There's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is is when we do that and that if we think that's the end goal. The end goal is not that. The end goal is to lift up Christ and to grow in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's not about the experience. And in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you must have the gospel in you. You must be filled with the gospel. You must know the gospel. Paul and Paul goes in Galatians 3.16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's not just like, well, yeah, I know... I, you know, I know John 3.16, and I know the shortest verse in the Bible. What's the shortest verse in the Bible? Jesus wept. Everybody knows the shortest verse in the Bible. It's not just about knowing it. It's about having it dwell in you richly. It's about knowing it so well that it guides you, and, and, and you think about it. You don't even realize you're thinking about it. So I I love to sing songs that include, like Psalm 46, the last song we sang, you go to Psalm 46 and read it, and you'll hear all the words of the song in that scripture. It should dwell in us so richly, and, and, and he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom. It's not just that you are that you know it. How do you know if you really know something, if you can teach it to somebody else? Caleb, this last week, um, the kids do karate, and they had this new they do these, what are they called your movements. Forms. They have these things called forms. And you have to go step by step. Well, Caleb knew it. Abigail didn't, so what did Caleb do? He took her outside and he taught it to her. And she comes back inside and says, Mommy, I know it. I know it now. Caleb knew it because he could teach it. So in order for me to to do what Paul says, teaching and to admonish one another in all wisdom, I have to know it myself. I need to know it. So I can teach other people, singing psalms, which we did today, and hymns and spiritual songs. With thankfulness in your hearts to God. I'm a music person. I've, I've always been a music person since growing up. My mom always played music. Music's always been a big part of our lives. I sing all the time. My kids sing all the time. But I want to be honest with you. When I stand up here and I'm worshiping, I don't look at and out and say, boy, those people aren't worshiping because they're not really you know, opening their mouths. How do I know? I don't know, because it's not about what you sing. It's about what's in your heart. And that's what you are responsible for. Now I'll tell you, you need to worship. But you need to worship with your heart. Paul says, with thankfulness in your hearts to who? To God. To God. See, when we ad- allow God's word to dwell in us richly, we surrender ourselves by meditating on his word. And meditation, and we're going to talk about, in the Sunday school class, we're going to talk about meditation many weeks from now. But it's been hi- that word has been hijacked. We're not talking about sitting there and thinking of one word and, you know, mm, humming. If you, if you, if you hum, you're probably, if I hum, I'm probably going to go to sleep. It's not about about meditating in that way. It's about having that that verse. My wife does this. this, She'll she'll have a verse and she'll write it and she'll stick it on sticky notes or note cards all over the place. That's meditating on it. Every time you see it, you think about it. That's meditating. And I can sit and I can look at the words and I can think about what is God saying in this? this, What's the context? I can study it. But then I can say it over and over again in my mind. This is what this word, what this, what this verse says. What are you trying to? And and then pray. What God? What are you trying to to tell me? We, We got. And not only that, the whole point of that is not just so that I get it in my head. Memorization is great, but you must believe it. Do you believe Scripture? Do you really believe it? And how do you know if you believe it? If it changes your life. If Scripture says we're supposed to take care of the orphans and the widows, what am I supposed to be doing? I better be taking care of the orphans and widows if I believe that's true. Then I better take action. If you don't take action, you don't believe it. You got to live it. And it needs to be in our daily lives. If we do this, then the Holy Spirit will help us pray. So let's kind of, I'm going to kind of look at these a little bit deeper on these four alls, on all occasions. But I, you know, I think that Paul, he knows that, that, we, that prayer is going to be tough for us to remember to do it all the time. So he knows that there's going to be those times, especially when our, our doubts are threatening us, that we're going to turn to God, and we need to do that. Because we don't want to damage our confidence in Christ. We don't want to damage that. We want it to be strong. We want Him to to help us in our daily lives. But then also we got to remember that we, we need to be praying at all times, even when we don't have those tensions. But when they do arise... And when our tensions rise in our relationship with family or with other believers, it begins to threaten the unity that we have in Christ. And when that unity is threatened, that's why I'm so big on the unity of the body. And that doesn't mean we agree on everything. That doesn't mean I don't disagree with somebody or they disagree with me and they they come and talk to me and we we have a a calm conversation about it. And we may even leave each other saying, yeah, we're not going to agree on this, but it's not going to split us. I still love you and you still love me. That's being in unity. It's important because when I'm in, if I'm not unified with my, my wife in our relationship, our family, our household is going to be broken. And again, it doesn't mean that she and I agree on everything. As long as she realizes, no, I'm not going to say that. As long as she realizes that she's right sometimes and I'm right sometimes. And we have to have grace. To accept that I may not agree with her, but she's probably right. Okay? That's why God put us together, because wives see things differently than we do as men. Sometimes good, sometimes not so good. I'll be honest, it's a struggle. But that's okay, because we can maintain unity. The problem is when we get disunity in any relationship, it begins to break down our relationships with everybody, with our family, with our church. And with the unity in the church, it's so important. But also, when we're confident and we believe that we can handle all of our situations on our own, we also must go to God in prayer. Now, why, what would we pray, if I know what I'm going to do, why do I need to go to God and ask Him? Because you need to bring Him in with you. Because if I know what I'm supposed to do, and I do it, I'm doing it without Him. I'm doing it on my own ability, instead of doing it with Him, who makes it even better, and I can give Him the glory for it instead of myself. don't only pray when we're desperate, we also pray when we're prepared and ready. Imagine this, imagine only talking to a friend when you needed something. How long do you think they'd be your friend? Now, praise God, he is extremely long-suffering, meaning that he puts up with us. You know, I, I love in the, in the song we sang, Psalm 46, he says, you, you know men and you let them live. You know the mind of men and yet you still let us live. That's awesome. Because I think, man, I don't think I'd have the patience. So God is long-suffering. He, he, wants, he, he wants us to pray with him, to be in a relationship with him at all times. He's patient with all kinds of prayers and requests. Now sometimes these may be urgent spontaneous prayers, you know. <laughs> the brakes have gone out in your car. Good time to pray and that's a spontaneous prayer. You didn't plan on that. But there are other times that we pray normally. Like we pray when we should pray when we get up in the morning. We should pray before we go to bed at night. I pray with my kids every night before they go to bed. We should pray before meals. Blessing God for the blessings He's given us. Those are your normal prayers. We pray during worship time. I'll pray at the end of this sermon. There should be other times where we sit down and we just spend some time with God in prayer. Long times. We're going to do that Thursday. But there are also times in our daily lives where we just say, Lord, thank you for the day so far help me through the rest of it. You know, bring him into your day. And if you don't know Christ, huh, it's time to start thinking about it. It's past time to start thinking about it. Who is he? Is he real? If, and and he will show himself to you. I don't have to I shouldn't have to show you physically prove whether or not Jesus is real. You he will show himself to you. And you need to pray for forgiveness. Tell him you believe and then live it, and it'll change your life. But we should also, especially, be praying regularly like Jesus told us to in Matthew 6. And you always all know this. You guys know the Lord's Prayer. And if you look at the Lord's Prayer, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's all these things that are our spiritual priorities. Hallowed be thy name. You know, praise your name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, this world is falling apart. May your will be done here. Give us this day our daily bread. He wants to provide for you your daily bread, not your bread for tomorrow, your daily bread today. And forgive us our trespasses or debts, depending on how you were raised, what you, how you have learned it. Forgive, us our tr- forgive me for the sin that I commit. These are believers. This is a believer asking this. Yes, I commit sin. I'm not perfect. I commit sin all the time. I need to ask him to forgive me. He already has on the cross, but I still need to acknowledge that I've sinned. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That means we are to forgive others who've done us wrong, even if they don't ask for forgiveness. And that means really forgiving them in your heart. You don't even have to tell them that you forgive them, but you must forgive them in your heart. And lead us not into temptation. Keep us from temptation. Give us the out that you promise. And deliver us from the evil one. For it's his kingdom and his glory forever and ever. Amen. These are gospel priorities. We're supposed to be praying in all perseverance. We must persevere in prayer. I think today we have a problem with perseverance. I do. I have many times have a problem with perseverance. That's why it took me four days to watch that video. And it's a person I love to watch. But it was just so much information; it was overloading my brain. I'm just like, ah, oh, oh I, I need to watch some more of this. I need to persevere. But we need to persevere in prayer. I know, at the end of the day, I sit down. I'd much rather go to sleep than pray at times. But I need to pray before I go to sleep. We must persevere. The more we persevere in prayer, even in the midst of our struggles and our temptations, and just give in and not pray, the more God grants his blessings upon us. When When we don't give in and we persevere, God will grant us blessings. And he enables us to continue to persevere. It's this idea, you know, if I persevere, God gives me the ability to persevere more. And if I pray, God gives me the ability to pray more. And I just got, it's, just, it's perpetual motion. You get it going, and it keeps going. It keeps going. Don't give up. And then Paul says, pray for all the saints. At all times, you know, there are times that, you know, we look at what Amy's doing, and, everything, and you think, well, what can I do? I can send her money. Yeah, but what does that do? Well, oh, that provides resources, I understand, but what does that do for her on a daily basis? Well, I need to be praying for her on a daily basis. And you're like, man, that means I'll be praying all the time. Exactly. Pray without ceasing. Wow, isn't that amazing? I think somebody said that. Yeah. You will be praying all the time. But pray for the saints. We feel powerless to help people around the world. But, but, but God loves the prayers of those who move to pray for his family. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. I got to pray I need to be praying for all of you and I need to be praying for all the other brothers and sisters in Christ in this world. And if I know specifically of missionaries, I need to be praying for them. No matter how weak and inexperienced I may feel, I can always pray for the unity of the gospel for the church. If nothing else, that's what I need to be praying for. And then Paul shows us the importance of praying for each other to be courageous in evangelism. We go to verse 19 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. He says, And also for me, he says, pray, you know, pray in all these things, but also pray for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. What word did he use there at least twice? Boldly. I don't know about you, but I'm not, you know, you may look at me up here and say, that, man, I, you know, you're pretty bold, Pastor. Yeah, it's because I'm up here and I know I have to be and I should be. It's easy for me here. It's not so easy for me out there. I need to be bold out there. And Paul says, pray for me. So we need to be praying for each other, that we are bold. He asked twice for prayer for boldness, proclaiming the gospel. In chapter 3, we saw this mystery of the gospel that Paul talks about, which is this idea that both the Jew and the Gentile, which is everybody, is now... That, that salvation is available not just for the Jew because they're Jewish, but for also for all the Gentiles, for all. It is available for everyone if you accept it. But not everybody will. So what do we have to do? We have to preach boldly because God is drawing everyone under Christ, but it is a choice. And the only way that they're going to hear, people are going to know this, is if we preach it. How will they know unless they hear? Right? They'll only hear if somebody is sent. And what's that person doing? That person is preaching the gospel. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And what is the gospel? The gospel of Jesus Christ is that we are sinners. We are born this way. We are, we are not good. Period. Nobody is good. Not me. Not anybody. And, and so we are separated from God, but praise be to God, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, who was God, sent him to earth as a man, fully man, fully God, not giving up any of his His godhood. Yet he lived a life, he was tempted like you and me, he He felt pain, he felt all the things we did. He was persecuted, he was put on a cross, he died for your sins. He died for all of our sins, and he was dead and buried, and on the third day he rose from the grave because he's coming back again to take us to be with him, if you believe in Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to believe? It's to say in your heart that I trust in Jesus. I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for me, and I'm going to try to live my life for him. That's what it's about. That's the gospel. And Paul is preaching this. He's pray that I preach it boldly because he's going up against these Jews who say, oh no, 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 no. Gentiles can't be believers. They have to be Jewish first. He's like, no, they don't. It's not about following the law. And so Paul gets persecuted for it. Jesus tells us in John 15, 20 that they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 3:12. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. <laughs> if you don't think persecution is coming, and I think we live in a bubble here in, in the Midwest, we, we kind of don't realize all the stuff that's going on, it's going to happen. It's going to take a while to get here, but it's coming. I promise you, it's coming. And I don't say that to scare you. I say that to say it's time to be ready. That's why we're doing the class we're going to do. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German pastor during, during, the, the World, war, during World War II, and he was imprisoned and he was finally executed just days before the end of the war. Because of his opposition. And this is what he wrote from prison. He says, The cross is laid on every Christian. When Christ calls a man, he bids him come and die. Suffering then is the badge of true discipleship. The disciple is not above his master if we refuse to take up our cross and submit to suffering and rejection at the hands of men. We forfeit our fellowship with Christ and have ceased to follow him. But if we lose our lives in his service and carry our cross, we shall find our lives again in the fellowship of the cross with Christ. We're going to suffer if you're a follower of Christ, that is what we're buying. That's what we're, that's what we're in this world. You don't become a believer just so you can live an easy life. That's not what it's about. You're going to suffer. Not everybody's going to suffer the same, but you're going to suffer. But we need to have people praying for us and we will preach with boldness. We might get mockery from our friends or pity from our family or even aggression. But don't be surprised. I'm waiting for social media to start censoring our posts, censoring my sermons. Paul ends his letter with praise for one of his fellow servants, Tychius. And I want to get through Tychius. It's important. Verses 21 through 22. So that you also may know that I how I am and what I am doing, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that we he may encourage your hearts. Now Paul's not one to flatter, but he he he's flattering this Tychicus that he's he's not just Paul's mailman; he's going to provide firsthand account of what's been going on and what Paul is doing. Why? So that he can encourage the believers. This is why we have Amy come up. You know, we did that Zoom call with Amy, so you can see firsthand what's going on. I could tell you all about it, but it's different when they tell you. And Tychius is his example for, for us. See, Tychius, he actually labored in prayer for this people because Tychius was one of them. He was part of the church in Ephesus. We're to invest our efforts and our resources in being faithful ministers of Christ our Lord standing firm by faith in the gospel so that Christ might welcome us into his kingdom with the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. must understand that our lives are not to be measured by the size of our salary, the number of our grandchildren, or the value of our business, or the size of our church. The measure is based upon whether we have proved faithful in believing and proclaiming the mystery of the gospel to all the nations, even when it hurts. So Paul continues in verse 23, Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Paul's first blessing is a farewell of peace. And in peace, in Hebrew, it's shalom. It's this perfect peace, all-encompassing peace. And you know that only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. You want to know peace, you need to know Jesus. It is in him we are united because he died to make peace for us between us and God. And then the process makes peace between us and man. Remember what Paul wrote back in verse chapter 2. It says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down In the flesh, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. Second blessing that Paul gives is love. God's eternal plan not only reveals how amazing God is, but how compassionate He is, and how we need to be compassionate with each other. And the third is grace grace is undeserved favor. You and I do not deserve forgiveness. God gives it freely to those who believe. And that's the part of the source of the mystery of the Gospel. And it's revealed in Christ to all who need to love Him with an undying love. So, pray for all those who preach. Pray for all those you know, who, who minister in missions. Pray for your brothers and sisters in the Islamic and the totalitarian nations. Pray for everyone in the church to proclaim the truth of the gospel with boldness, without fear. Pray that when we're persecuted that we'll see it not as being disgraced victims, but like Paul as ambassadors in chains, dignified because we're being persecuted for our king. Satan wants to prevent us from gathering. Because when we gather, we demonstrate that he is defeated at the cross and in the spiritual realms. Paul tells us to stand firm in the gospel. Pray for world missions. Spiritual warfare means putting on the full armor of God, worn by Christ, which is in totality. His faith his faith in the gospel being expressed in prayer for evangelism, for the gospel to be preached boldly. So we need to be praying for it. God wants us to talk to him. So talk to him at all times, all perseverance with all kinds of prayers for all the saints. Let's pray. Father, we praise you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for Paul and what he experienced. Lord, we know that we should expect persecution. We don't want it but it's coming. And it may be small. It may just be somebody not liking us and saying a few words, or it could be drastic. And Either way, we need you. And we need to be bold in our walk. Father, I just, I just pray that you would help us. Help us to see the truth. Help us to see you. And what you're doing in this world. And to come alongside and fight the battle with you. Help us to be in prayer at all times. To not give up. Bring to our minds things that need to be prayed for. Let the Holy Spirit lead us in prayer. Build us up in faith. As we see your prayers. Our prayers being answered. In ways we never imagined we pray this in your holy name. Amen. Go in peace. Thank you for joining Living Faith on our YouTube channel. My prayer is that this message today has encouraged you and strengthened your faith in Jesus Christ. We would love to connect with you, so please subscribe to our channel and hit the bell so that you get updated when we add a new message. Also, please leave any comments you might have in the comment section. We would love you to join us live for our service on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. We hope you have a great day today. God bless.